At Novartis, they're exploring the boundaries of science in pursuit of transformative medicines. And that requires intense collaboration. Key breakthrough often happens when experts of different fields combine know-how. With innovative technologies like CRISPR, teams at Novartis are designing one-time treatments that address the root causes of disease. To hear more about how Novartis is reimagining medicine with cell and gene therapy, stay tuned for The Post Show. Greetings, mobile accomplishers. I am Dieter Bone. This is part of our special run where we talk to other reviewers about all of the hardware that's coming out this season. And this week, I'm very excited. We have got Judner Aura. He's your average consumer on YouTube. What's going on, guys? It's your average consumer. And we are looking at a review that I've been teasing for a while. It's the Nexus 5 from 2013. The reason I wanted to talk about the Nexus 5 is we just saw the announcement for the Google Pixel 5, and I think they're really comparable devices. Low cost, new kind of wireless network coming into a very interesting phone market. We talked a lot about the differences between the phone markets back then and how they are now. We also talked about what it's like to be a reviewer who works primarily on YouTube, like Jenner does. I'm really jealous of the fact that he has all these different formats that he can make. You know, I've got blog posts and I've got reviews on the website and then I make some videos, whereas he just makes YouTube videos so he can do a lot of really interesting things. We also looked at some of our very, very early YouTube videos. They're kind of embarrassing. I'm just going to say that mine is 10 times more embarrassing than Judner's was because mine made everybody who uses Android on Reddit hate me for three years. I'll tell the whole story in the show. I had a really great conversation with Judner. I really think you're going to enjoy it. Jonora, thanks so much for joining us. You are the average consumer on YouTube. And I don't believe this, but it may be that some people in our audience haven't seen your videos or heard of you. So can you talk a little bit about your channel, what you, what you do? Uh, sure. So I, of course, have a tech channel also on YouTube. Uh, I call it your average consumer because I want the videos to be easily digestible for the average consumer. You know, tech for the everyday person, uh, walk away knowing whether or not something is what they want to buy or something they should stay away from. Yeah, it's a more fun, but also like more useful thing than maybe some of the stuff that I do, because I'm, I'm like hands on reviews go. <laughs> we can get to that later. Uh, so I had you here and I've been telling people that we're going to be talking about a product they weren't expecting. And if you looked at the title of the podcast, you'll see that we're talking about the Nexus 5 review, Yeah, which is ridiculous because that was six or seven years ago, Super right? Super long, yeah. But I thought it was interesting because we just got the announcement, official, finally, after all the leaks announcement, of the Pixel 5 and the Pixel 4a 5G. And I don't know, do you? I don't have a review unit yet, do you? Do you, you want to no. tell me? You don't have, okay. <laughs> Fortunately, no. So since we can't talk about that review till later, I wanted to talk about uh, the Nexus 5 because I think it's really like a parallel device to the Pixel 5. It was really mm -hmm. cheap. Uh, it was the first Nexus on a new uh, wireless standard and like just a bunch of interesting stuff. But before we get there, we should actually just talk about the Pixel 5 stuff. Did you did you watch Google's infomercial? Yeah. <laughs> What'd you think? It, it was good. I mean, it's honestly what I would expect from one of their presentations. It, it felt right in line. But, you know, the Pixel 5 itself, I, I like what I saw in, in certain aspects. I mean... Looks pretty good on paper for you know a Pixel device. I'm I'm very happy that the front of it at least looks up to date. Right, just like the screen and everything. That it looks like a 2020 device, so I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, the back, man. That's I don't know. What do you? How do you feel about fingerprint sensors on the back? I I was initially was like meh, but then 
I kind of miss it. I don't know how I quite feel about it. I've missed fingerprint sensors since they've, you know, vaporized. But right. it's weird because it feels like a step backwards. You yeah. know, we're, we're not used to seeing features go away. And when something else comes along, see that go away in favor of the older feature. Right. You know, we, we haven't really seen that yet. So it feels weird. I feel like I'm finally starting to get used to face unlock. And now yep. that that's gone, it's like... Do you, do we know if there's even like an unsecure ver like a not very secure version of the face unlock? They might pull it. Android has had a not secure version of face unlock since the the Galaxy Nexus, which was Ooh. I don't know 2012 or 2013 or yeah. something way long ago. Um, but they you know it might still be there. But I guess you could use that. But I would never. I don't know. Of course. Never do that. But you're right. It's weird to have a phone where they pull stuff. So the, the processor is technically, I think, even slower than a Snap 855 if you just do a benchmark on it. Maybe that doesn't matter. Who knows? We'll see. But they don't have the it doesn't have the Pixel Neural Core image processor. It goes back yeah. to the fingerprint sensor. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's like, huh. Yeah. It is just surprising to see the steps backwards. Yeah. But I mean, it is, you know, it's supposed to be a mid-range phone. Um, so you review everything. I've watched your Note 20 Ultra stuff that you've done. And you also review like the mid-range phones. How do you, when you're approaching needing to make a video about something that's like in the mid-range, that's explicitly not like the super flagship that everyone wants to know about the cool new tech stuff. Do you approach those kinds of things differently than you do the flagships? Or is it just, you just need to tell people, you know, if it's good or not or what? So for me, mid-range, I'm looking at those like, can I complete all the tasks that I'm used to doing on those devices? That's the that's that's more of the criteria there. Just like, can I get regular stuff done? Uh, for flagships, it's like, okay, I know I can get regular stuff done. What more does does this product bring to the table? Right, and that's kind of the, the difference. The way I look at them, I think when you do it like when you look at it that way, it makes it makes it a little bit easier. And when a device has a mid range device has a little something extra, that's just like a much bigger bonus. Where it's like you get the job done, and it's got a couple of cool features too. Does this one thing? Yeah, yeah. I guess for the Pixel, it'll probably be the camera again. Has to be. Gotta be right. <laughs> I mean, they they actually talked big game about improving video this year, which I was not expecting. I didn't expect that either. I was actually pretty impressed with the portrait mode and night sight combination. Yeah. That's a lot of that's a lot of work for uh, that processor. I'm assuming. Yeah, it just seems like Google's killing it with the camera. So it's just surprising to see that kind of evolution there with even that processor. Well, tell you what, we will review it when it when we get it. But we should actually talk about the the Nexus Five. So okay, this was it came out in 2013. The Google Nexus 5 is now official. The LG-made device has a 5-inch 1080p display, supports LTE, and runs on the new Android 4.4 KitKat. Besides a few design tweaks, the new OS integrates SMS into Hangouts, upgrades Google Now, and adds Search to Dialer, essentially turning it into the Yellow Pages. The Nexus What do you remember about the Nexus 5? You know, it's weird. I feel like Google loved that phone. Yeah. I, for so many years, that was the phone they used as their product images for any kind of software. That, that's a Nexus 5 on, like, if whether it's Hangouts or I don't know, whatever software they came out with. Yeah. yeah. It was a Nexus 5, even after multiple phones came out. Um, but in particular, that phone, it was interesting to me because it was just. What was it? Four hundred bucks? It's three fifty, I think. Three fifty. Wild, right? You hear that price nowadays, and you're thinking like you know, super low tier phone, but yeah. it, it it wasn't. It, we saw LTE come to it. I actually took a look back at my review, and I it's, it's interesting to see that the camera wasn't really like a big 
thing for the Nexus line back in the day. Watching movies and playing games are a pleasure on this device as the screen is much better than it was with the Nexus 4. Although there is a drawback that hinders the experience and that's the speaker. The speaker is very easy to block depending on how you hold the device and can lead to some completely muffled audio. You got the lightning? Light the bastards out. Muffles out. Okay, so what's funny to me about that, um, I mean, we should get into the camera in a minute, but the fact that you pointed out that you can muffle the speaker, every single phone, like you, we had to point it out on the Note 20 Ultra. Why do they keep making this mistake? It is the weirdest thing. You would, you would think, I mean, and they watch these reviews, you know, yeah. so it's, they know that this is a message that not only are people experiencing, but we're talking about, Yeah. but it, it, just, it just doesn't matter. I guess it's maybe just easier for them to make it that way, but you would think that's a problem that got solved years ago. Well, so they did solve it for a while. It was a thing where you would get front-facing speakers on phones, and that was the thing, and everyone was like, oh, finally, and then it's, yeah. it turns out nobody cares, I guess, except for us. Yeah, then they're like, you know what? We need more. We need bigger screens. Yeah. I, what? Who introduced those kind? Of, I think HTC was really big. On, yes. What was it? The boom. The boom speak. They had the boom sound. So they were, the boom first sound. one was a Windows phone that had a slide up speaker that was front facing, and it was like meant to. It was like meant to replace a Bluetooth speaker. Mm -hmm. And then they had boom sound on the HTC One, which was a direct competitor yeah. to this Nexus Seven back in the day. It was the One M Seven, technically. Right. We should we should talk. That phone was hot. HTC Boom Sound dual frontal stereo speakers with built-in amplifiers for sharper, richer sound. The new HTC One. Okay, so besides the speaker, are there any other little things that like bother you on that people just keep doing it in phones? Like, fix this one little thing. I'm tired of it. It's been years. Because like covering the speaker is like a big one for me. Yeah, no, definitely. That's a good. That's actually a pretty good question. One thing that they always do. You, you got me on that one. For, well, so for me, it's face smoothing actually uh, on the on the selfie camera. Oh. I don't mind if it's there, and I'm happy to turn it on, and I actually use it. But even on the default, you you think you've turned it off, especially on like Samsung phones, it smooths no matter what, and right. uh, it always just looks a little bit fake to me. I don't know. I get really persnickety about cameras, I guess. I keep using the word persnickety, right? <laughs> no, but I, I completely understand that sentiment. It always just looks so processed, you know, it makes you look like you you're in baby mode. It's it's it's, yeah. it's a weird it's a weird thing to see when we look at look at ourselves in the mirror every day. And then we see this completely different image and it looks like we did some kind of Photoshop to kind yeah. of fix our face up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I, I can completely understand that. I'm not a huge fan of those either. Whenever there's an opportunity to turn it off, that's like one of the first things I, I, I do. Yeah. Well, I mean, also I can fix it in an editor. I know most people don't really like throw it into a full on photo editor, but right. they've gotten so good now and so easy now. It's like Google Photos is actually really great now. They just updated it um, that I, if I want to smooth my face up, I can always get it done after the fact in an editor, you know. But maybe maybe us camera snobs are the wrong ones to that, you know, to really right. judge. Maybe the, av the average person who... I don't know, has a blemish that they don't want to show. Maybe it, yeah. maybe they appreciate it a little bit more. But Well, reviewing like a phone, where, reviewing phones is tough because you look at a bunch of Android phones and like a bunch of them are usually going to have the same processor. You know, they're like a bunch of stuff is really samey and like you can talk about some software differences, but usually the big thing that's different between each phone is the camera. And so you end up spending way more time than you expect on the camera when really it's not the most important thing on the phone, right? Right. So we played your clip. We're gonna play my clip, but I gotta I gotta set it up. All right. 
they're announcing the they, we know they're going to announce the Nexus 5 and it leaked because everything Google makes leaks right mm-hmm. and so they call me up we're having an event I'm like cool we're going to bring four people we're going to live blog it do a big live blog and then go do a big hands on it'll be awesome they're like no 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 we're going to do a really small event for just like maybe 15 journalists and you only get one person that can come and that's it and it's not going to be live streamed it's just really quiet I'm like uh no that sucks you got to let me bring somebody they're like well look like there's this guy that got put in charge of Android not that long ago. And, you know, he just wants, he wants to have a really chill event. His name is Sundar Pichai. Okay. And so he just wants a really chill event. And uh, so I'm like, okay, fine. But I pushed and I pushed and I pushed. And I finally got them to let me bring a video director. Okay. Nice. So it's me and, and this guy, Christian Maza. So we show up, they announce the phone. We ask some questions. Everything's fine. Okay. Go do a hands-on. We're at, I don't know, some Google office in San Francisco or something. Here's what happened. It was just like 15 people, and the room was deathly quiet, just utterly quiet, super echoey, and everyone was like doing their thing and working. So he turns the camera on, I start talking, and everyone like looks at me, and I'm like, oh, oh, this is awkward. And there is an eight megapixel camera with, with optical image stabilization, so that should help it take better shots. It has a HDR plus, which does a better HDR shots. We'll see how it goes. Usually Android cameras aren't that impressive. Uh, oh man so this whole video is like maybe a minute and a half tops and i was so nervous to talk too loudly in that room i talked really really quietly and didn't really make my points really well whatever (laughs) but here's the thing because there weren't other camera people there there was like maybe one other person this was one of the only videos on the entire internet for like a few days of the nexus 5 and it was just me like whispering to the camera like (laughs) asmr style and not actually testing it yet, not actually putting it through its paces because like I had to do this really fast because I wanted to get it up because we were f- going to be the first. Of course. And then I say this thing about the ca- about Android cameras. Right, yeah. We'll see how it goes. Usually Android cameras aren't that impressive. So back in the day, it was this phone. Uh, there was, I think it was like the S3, maybe it was the S4. HTC was just getting good. But what I meant to say was Nexus cameras, because were Nexus cameras any good before like the Nexus 5X or the, the, the even the Pixel? They were not, right? They were like not that good. They were fine, but they were not like the central focus of the thing. No, it wasn't, it wasn't their strong point. Yeah. But the result of this video being the only thing that people could watch about the Nexus, people were desperate to get Nexus content, was r slash Android on, on, on Reddit hated me for about three years. Just, I was the guy who hated Android for years. And I founded Android Central. I like Android. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I get it. Like you're in the moment, you're just trying to just get something out there. Yeah. A little stumble of the words and... Just all it takes. Oh, that's kind of rough. And the bezels on the side of the screen are very, very thin. So it's actually relatively comfortable to hold in the hand despite the massive screen. We're going to have a lot more with the Nexus 5 soon, but for now, it's just a quick look. Okay, so we finally reviewed the phone. Like, what did you think of the phone? Like, like, as a phone, did you think it was any good? I liked it, actually. I I mean, I liked it. It was, back in the day, it was pretty snappy. Nexus devices were, you know, smooth. It was usually a pretty smooth experience. I think the only thing, I I had the bright red version. Which was super red. It was was like this orangey red. Exactly. It was like more of an orange red. It was right in the middle. You know, you can see it wear a little bit on the back with the material that it was made out of. But for the most part, I kind of liked it. You know, there was always this point of pride back in the day. If you're running stock Android, like, you know, you're you're getting the full experience here. Yeah. It was nice to have. It's just interesting to see just how things have changed since then. 
Yeah, so one of the dramas when it first released is the camera was actually really bad. I was right. Um, (laughs) Everyone flipped out. The reviews were terrible. And then six weeks later, Google put out a software update that kind of fixed the camera. Google has released the Android 4.4.1 update that brings dramatic improvements to the Nexus 5's camera, including faster focusing, better low light, and less shutter lag. We've tested it ourselves and came away rather impressed. By the time the red one came out, the camera was actually like pretty decent. And now when we're reviewing, like I was saying before, now when we review phones, like the, like everyone pays attention way more to the camera. But back then when we're like, hey, this camera is bad, it was like, oh, wait, people care? Google's like, oh, the camera needs to be good? I didn't know. <laughs> That's funny. Now they put all their eggs in that bag, that one bag. Yeah, right. Now it's now it's camera or nothing. Right. I mean, I love that phone. It was it was my phone for like that entire year, like 2014. I just kept going back to it. Oh, it was was it the one that that stayed in your pocket? Yeah, it was fast enough. I mean, I broke like three of them. I kept breaking the screen on it for some reason. Oh, wow. That was the like that screen was really fragile for whatever reason. That would break my heart if I luckily I haven't broken a screen just through normal use yet really I, I i probably shouldn't have said that out loud next thing you know my next phone pixel 5 it's gonna happen yeah uh but yeah that's never happened to me that kind of sucks well i mean it sucks but it was only 350 bucks i guess right right know. exactly yeah. but i mean lots of people walk around with broken phones all the time you know lots of people like, like do you do you put a case on your phone i absolutely do yeah so i don't Oh, I'm crazy. You're brave. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't leave the house. Still. Not right now. Yeah. <laughs> I still couldn't do it. You stub your toe or something and then boom, that phone flies out your hand. I guess. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> maybe that's why people maybe don't care that much about camera bumps, right? Because there's always a case on it anyway. Right, right, yeah. right. All right. One more thing before we take a break. I played my embarrassing video. I think it's only fair that we play one of your early videos is this okay yeah yeah that this is this video gets me (laughs) (laughs) hey guys this is your average consumer and today i have a little video for you guys because all about mac 27 wanted to see a comparison between the beat mixers the solar cds and um i don't have the studio so i can't compare those but i do happen to have the beat it you sounded like someone was had a gun to my head <laughs> and told me to make the video. I mean, my video sounded like a hostage negotiation. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I was on the, they've got me. They've got me trapped. I've got, I'm here, stuck here with the Nexus Five. They're gonna kill me. It's rough to watch that one because it's just like they're. I'm completely void of energy. There's just, mm-hmm. and you know, it, just looking back at it, it, there's just so little effort. It's just just me, just just talking. Yeah, and it, it's so funny because. I forgot that a comment, that was like my third, fourth video, I think. Okay. And I was so small back then that a single comment could drive me to make an entire video. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's kind of how that video happened. And um, just looking back at it, even the way it's edited, I thought I was fancy. I had my regular camera, Uh a a webcam fired up. I, I tried to put the, I put the webcam footage over my normal camera's footage, and you can still see the sides of my uh, my HD camera versus the four by three on the webcam. Yeah, horrible editing, low no energy. It's just at the beginning. 
on the other hand, when you're getting started on something like YouTube, like you, you had the headphones you had, right? You're like, I didn't have this other one, but like you work with what you got. Right. Um, you do your best. You talk to the camera. You you try something, right? Like if if I'm doing, I'm trying to learn some more camera skills. I'm definitely not a YouTuber, but every single time I make a video, I try and do one thing, like one new thing, a camera technique, or like try and be more have higher energy or whatever. Like I work on one thing for each video, like this video, I'm going to get better. I'm not, I don't try and like be perfect all at once. Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. the fact that you were trying to switch between, you know, your webcam and your HD cam, like you should give yourself more credit, man. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) all that has led to, you know, just what I know now, just practicing and it's it's always good to, I, I like your strategy. Just at least, give one thing a go every single time you just just get better and better and better well you know what uh, that's a great place to take a break and we should actually talk about what it's like to make tech youtube videos now that you know we know what we're doing yeah right now scientists at novartis are exploring new ways to treat intractable diseases after all medical breakthroughs can sometimes have unexpected beginnings Take CRISPR, for example. When biologists first started analyzing the DNA of bacteria, they noticed something strange in the genomic sequences. Scientists really have a tendency of either ignoring things they didn't understand or giving them really complicated names, like CRISPR. They were amazed to discover what CRISPR actually does. And that led to a revolutionary cure for yogurt. But the story doesn't end there. CRISPR technology, it turns out, led to a potential turning point in treating disease. To learn more about that, stay tuned for the in-depth post-show. And for more information on how Novartis is reimagining medicine, check out novartis.com slash cell and gene today. We're back. You know what? I'm sure that you get asked this all the time, but you're a big YouTuber. You got to, you got to, 3 million subscribers. How did you get your start? Did you jump? I'm assuming you didn't jump full time right away. So what was your progression from, I want to make some tech YouTube videos to your average consumer now today? Okay. So for me, it pretty much started, I think my senior year of college. Okay. I was watching a lot of tech videos. Smartphones were fresh. I was following pretty heavily. I think channels like Phone Dog back in the yeah, day. Yeah, Noah. Techno Buffalo. Noah yeah. was my man. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Noah from PhoneDog.com, and this is the Google Nexus One. In a word, this is the best Android phone you can buy right now, at least in the United States. I'd watch these guys, and I just love it. I was learning so much. I always had a love for technology, but it's not something I really had. I, I was able to use and have get my hands on all the time. So I was. Mm-hmm. It was all. I was just soaking it in through YouTube and. After some time, I felt like, you know what? I bought a couple of Android devices. And I was like, you know what? One day, I I think I can do this too. I think I can make some videos. But I remember having to go back and watch those videos, hear what they were talking about, and having to do research. It's like, I I have no idea what this processor means or what that thing does. I'm going to go research it. I learned. But when I wanted to do my videos, I was like, all right, I want it to be super easy I don't want anyone watching my videos to have to go and do extra research like I did. Right. So I was like, all right, I'll call it your average consumer because that's who I'm going to be talking to. Just regular videos like you walk away knowing it's fast. It does this. It does that. Not super spec heavy. Mm -hmm. You'll just know your end experience. And, you know, I just started making terrible videos, as you (laughs) you saw. (laughs) And uh, I was driven by 
commenters who said, hey, we want to see this. We want to see that. I, yeah. it, it helped me to just keep going. And they just from there became what it became, you know. But that's, that's how I got my start, just wanting to do the same thing I saw so many other people doing and I fell in love with and just do it on, you know, an easier level. One of the things I love about your videos is you never take for granted that uh, people know what a thing is or that, like, people don't want to see it. So, I don't know, like, just, like, the thing that really struck me, uh, you showed off wireless decks on the Note 20 Ultra. I'm going to turn on decks, And what's cool is that it works with mini smart TVs. As you can see, I've got an LG TV that I set it up with before. And, you know, Samsung LG, they're not exactly buddies. We're going to start this. Let's hit allow. And you're like, here's what it is. Here's how it works. This is really cool. And I'm like, you know what? That is really cool. And I like didn't even talk about it because like, oh, Dex, Dex was on the S20. So everybody knows that. And like, that's not true at all. Like you actually do need to show the thing, even if it's old hat to me or to you, it actually is really cool and you should show it. And like, I love that you always, always do that on every new thing. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's so easy for us to to be a little jaded, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's clearly a gimmick. Eh, we've seen that before. And e- even though things might come off as a gimmick for us, for someone who doesn't, who's not in the world, they're just like, oh, my phone can do this? I had no idea. I just needed to send a text message or yeah. browse the internet. But there's so much more power there sometimes that people just don't know about. Yeah, well, and it's it's you also don't need to always treat it as like, well, you should you buy this thing or not because of this one feature. It's like you buy the thing or not if it's good, but if you do get it, you should know about this one cool feature. It's like a nice thing that's extra on it. It might not drive your purchasing decision, but not every feature needs to do that, right? Exactly. Okay, so the other thing that I love about your channel that I'm actually kind of jealous of is most I, I do like hands-on videos, I'll do reviews. And uh, if I want to do like a video essay, I'll make a processor video that's like, I have a deep thought about the future of computers, uh, but I've got a whole other job. So that's about all I have time for. But you have just a ton of different formats that you make. You've got some really cool like haul unboxings. You've got these day in the life videos that I love. Thank you. Um, you know, you've got the reviews. You've got like your home tours. How do you decide, you know, wake up in the morning, you want to make a video, you got a new thing in your hand. How do you decide what, like, what format to choose when you're making a video? Because you can do so much more than just hands-on in a review. Okay, so for me, I think it all depends on, obviously, like, the product. Mm -hmm. So sometimes if it's a product that I think, if it's something I think a lot of people will be interested in, I feel like they're going to want to know, like, the nitty-gritty. Right. You know, so a real day in the life for flagship devices Listen, you'll know exactly what you're getting out of this. It makes sense. And if it's something that they might not know about, I'll try and do something a little bit more creative, maybe, you know, just something that may not draw their attention just based on the name Mm -hmm. of the product itself. But like, let's say it's a lesser known product. I'll try to spin it as something like an interesting just video in general, like video format and Mm -hmm. try to just piece it in there. Right. Just so people can get their eyes on it and then be exposed to something new. You know, so if it's like, I don't know, a list of tech that I didn't expect to love, you know, it's a nice time for people to just see, oh, okay, so there are these products out there that I probably wouldn't pay attention to. And, you know, it kind of fits in like that. Right. But yeah, we try so many different things. We know what the, I guess, our audience likes. We know what they really engage with. And, um, you know, it's just a matter of finding what products, you know, kind of just best fit that those formats. And we have like our staples. Uh, but sometimes we try to go out of the box with that too. So the other thing that you do, like your house 
your family. Congratulations. You just had a thank baby. You, thank you. Thank you. Like, but they're all characters in the video. Like I, I feel like I, like I'm looking at you on, on our chat. I'm looking at like, I watch you make videos. I watch you do a bunch of unboxings right behind where you are. What's it like making the place where you live, like a character in your videos? So that's actually something that's been, I guess, pretty intentional. Yeah. Uh, Cause I, we have a studio as well, but we have studios in like an apartment. You know, like a separate apartment because I wanted to have like that kind of homey vibe. Yeah. I like the idea of being guy next door, like the guy you can just come up to, ask him about tech, very casual. I don't want anyone to feel like, oh, Judd is this stuffy guy who he just stands in front of the camera and spits everything out at you. Nah, I'll let you into my world. That's why I do the real day in the life. I try to I try to have things in my home or try to have like a home setting so people can kind of view themselves in the situations or the the way I present the videos, you right. know. And having having friends and you know family involved too, it just makes it all the better because not only can I be more of myself mm-hmm. in front of the camera, but you know, it adds entertainment and it also adds a layer of like getting other people's opinions in as well. So there's just like so many good benefits to just having family and friends and even just like a, a setting that feels welcoming. Yeah, no, I love that. That's totally true. I wish I could do more of that, but my apartment's too small. I'm, I'm in a closet right now. Uh, okay, sorry. We sh- we were supposed to be talking about the Nexus 5. I totally took us way off track. Uh, so we've talked about how like tech YouTube has changed. The Nexus 5 came out in this really weird context. Google wasn't making its own hardware yet. And I feel like this is like 2013, 2014. The smartphone world still felt like it was wide open. Oh, yeah. Right? Samsung hadn't taken over. HTC was still really popular. Nokia, like they were still making Windows phones. Yeah. Like I kind of miss those days a little bit. It was a very different world. It, 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 like you said, it was a lot more open. There was so much variety and mm-hmm. everyone was coming in with this one feature or this one thing that kind of separated them from the rest. Yeah. And it's a little bit, quite a bit different now. Well, it's like everyone sort of figured out what the core stuff is and they're they're competing on sort of the same thing. But so you, we were talking about the HTC One with its boom sound, right? So mm-hmm. you, when you were going out there, you could go, HTC had this thing that was all metal. It had front facing speakers and then it had this wacky four megapixel camera. It was like the ultra pixels yes. because they figured out that if you have big pixels, you can bring in more light. And they're like, this is it. This is the one. And it's like, well, the camera quality actually was... Not yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That in theory it sounded great. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then there was this um, Lumia 1020, and there was a 920 before that. Do you remember the? They were they were Windows phones, and then they had just massive. Yeah, those big sensors. With the Lumia 1020, you will see things you've never seen before. An entirely new, ultra high resolution, 41 megapixel backside illuminated sensor. The 41 megapixel I kind of think that we are maybe entering another round, hopefully, of weird experiments and not just everybody competing on who can have the best low-light camera performance. Absolutely. Are you keeping up on, like, I guess it's folding phones, right, is the thing? Yeah, I'm, I'm immediately thinking of, like, what is it, the LG Wing? And this is the LG Wing. Yeah, I know, looking at the pictures, it looks weird and wild, but LG's done a great job. Oh, man, what do you think of that thing? That thing is wild. I haven't seen it in person yet. And I I have so many questions in terms of just like how it is to actually use it on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And just flipping it open and closed is incredibly nice. 
It's also way thinner and lighter than you would expect from something with two screens and a weird flipping hinge like this. I think it's the most out there design we've seen so far. Yeah. Like folding phones, you know, we, we get it. It, mm-hmm. it makes sense, but flipping twisty, whatever. Yeah, I know it's, it's, it's crazy. So uh, we are starting to see experience because I don't want to say smartphones have plateaued, but kind of plateaued yeah. in terms of like just features and new, th- new things that we'll see come to them. So now this experiment of adding extra screens or expanding screens, it's uh it's really taking over. The other thing that was different in that era, and we should actually talk about this with the Nexus 5, is Google had this Nexus strategy where they didn't make the phones themselves. They mm-hmm. went to like different manufacturers every year and said, make us a phone. And they did it so that they could just make a new version of Android and like show off what, how if the new processor or could work or whatever. But now we have this pixel strategy. How do you think that's going? I don't know. It's it, it was interesting because back in the day, who they have for the Nexus Five? LG. I believe, that was LG. Right. Yep. I I remember every time a Pixel came out. I mean, a Nexus came out. I I was always waiting for my favorite manufacturer to get the nod. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. I always wanted to see HTC. Like, is HTC going to make a comeback on the Nexus? Yeah. With I think I, I like that. Google has taken over. I think it means there's, you know, more control and we're not seeing a second device somewhere out there that looks exactly like it, but with different software. Yeah, I don't know if people remember this, but the Nexus was always basically based on another phone that the company already made. And so you kind of knew that this was just like the Google version of whatever the other other was it like the g3 for the nexus 5 i can't remember i don't remember either yeah. oh it's possible though it might be like the g3 yeah what do they call those versions of android i mean those phones that always had just like a stock version of android the google play edition yes the play edition and uh. that that came like right around that time and so you could get the the stock version of it because back in the day we, we thought of it as a stock version it was technically still like it was the google version it wasn't pure right. stock android but you could get something without touchwiz on it because touchwiz was way too much back then right it was it was so much stuff yeah that was like my least favorite i would say and having that option was so cool um but either way i digress yeah sorry (laughs) (laughs) i do like that google has taken it on themselves Mm -hmm. have they made the best choices in terms of like design all that Mm, who knows that's up to each person to decide but I, I, I still like it being in-house. You know, I feel like it's um, it gives them more control whether or not they choose to exercise, you know, really listening to feedback and implementing that, you know. But I do like the strategy. I, I feel like we've seen Microsoft do a really good job of that with their hardware. Mm-hmm. On the surface, like the laptop stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Laptops. Um, Tablets. Just seeing them like, all right, you know, we're going to take this in-house, start making our own things. And, you know, we've seen pretty good success yeah. uh, for them. So I like the idea. It's just a matter of like execute. Well, so I like, I agree with you. I like the idea because fi- Google gets to make what it definitely wants to make, right? It's not, mm-hmm. oh, well, this year the Nexus is not so good because it, you know. They, they based it on the ba- the wrong phone this year, right? Exactly. The Nexus 6 was a Huawei phone. It had all sorts of bugs. So now, like, what Google makes, like, it, Google's responsible for, right? There's nobody else to blame. Mm-hmm. But it also means that there's nobody else to blame, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I I love Google. Don't get me wrong. I'm not bashed. I love the Pixel devices. But one thing I feel like we see manufacturers kind of learn and, you know, change things up a bit. I feel like the Pixel's learning curve has been like not the best yeah uh, just just from the hardware perspective it's just 
we, I feel like I haven't been wowed by the hardware in a while. Right. So this is my take on it is they're really conservative right now. So actually, the Pixel 5 is a perfect example of this. They went back to a fingerprint sensor, but everybody else, Samsung has been doing in-screen fingerprint sensors. OnePlus has been doing in-screen fingerprint sensors. It's like it's a whole thing. Google didn't. So part of it is cost savings. But part of it and their their explanation for it is, well, the one on the back is a thousand percent reliable and it's faster and they're not wrong. Like, I do still have a little bit of a lag sometimes, even on, like, a super fast, hot Samsung phone hitting that fingerprint sensor under the screen. But it's, like, not exciting. Right. Is the the TikTok there. Exactly. I, and honestly, I'm not, with you mentioning that, I'm, I remember liking having the fingerprint sensor in the back. It's just so funny yeah. how, how our opinions can change over time because yeah. of the way the market goes. But I really enjoyed having the fingerprint sensor in the back because you could just pick up your phone and, like, the second you pick it up, you're... you're finger can directly go onto the sensor and your phone is unlocked. It's pretty quick and easy experience, honestly. Still, it's still so weird to see them take a step back. So with the Nexus 5, they came in at that 350 price point. They had done it with the Pixel or the Pixel, the Nexus 4. Uh, and so it was, they, they were a little bit cheaper than everybody else. All phones were cheaper back then. Uh, but they were, they were cheaper than everybody else. There wasn't a lot of competition at that price point at that quality. So the Nexus 5, one of the reasons I loved it is it was cheaper than everybody else, but equal quality. Mm-hmm. But now with the Pixel 5, there's a lot more competition this year. Right than they had with the Nexus Five. There's the there's the One Plus Eight out there that's relatively cheap. The Eight Pro can sometimes be that same price. The Samsung Twenty uh, FE, yeah, it's got the faster processor. It's got like three cameras on it. There's an iPhone Eleven that's the same price, and the iPhone Twelve is going to be who knows probably around that same price. What do you think of like the landscape that they're putting this mid range Pixel Five in? It's competitive. You know, it's it's really yeah. competitive right now, and I feel like they went down a weight class. But that weight class is kind of stacked too, you know. It's, right. it's not just like bringing down the price. You're not competing with flagships anymore. There's there's a whole group of phones in that area now, um, and it's going to be a tough battle because in the phone department there are some really big names out there like Samsung and you know Apple. So it's it's not going to be any easier. I, I like the direction, but it would have been cooler to see things like to see those flagship specs or you know sort of flagship specs at that price point, you know, seeing the Snapdragon 865 or something in there rather than the 765, being able to have those things and kind of call it like, hey, Google just is slashing prices. That's that's a more interesting story, you know. But I mean, it's still and if it had like 120 hertz, you know, those just just those features that we expect from the flagship, if, if they were able to bring that down, then we're, you know, we're able to compete. That's actually like the central conflict of the pixels. Who pays attention to the pixel? Like really, truly, who knows about the pixel? Tech nerds, right? People that are like really into phones and tech and Android are like, oh yeah, I know about the pixel. I know what that means. I don't know. People know that Google makes a phone now and whatever, but like the people that are really paying attention are the people that know the difference and might care about the difference between a 90 hertz and 120 hertz screen. So they're making a phone for the masses, but the only people paying attention to them are people that are into tech and that's a really hard thing for them to deal with and people in that category like that market is looking so heavily at those numbers yeah and they're super informed exactly and even if the numbers don't tell the entire story or they don't Mm -hmm. you know exactly dictate the experience that audience is super driven by those numbers like insanely so it it does make it a lot tougher because people will just look at it on paper 
and just say, hey, this, I mean, this OnePlus Nord over here has a 40-something megapixel camera, 30-something megapixel camera. Like, you know, it yeah. just makes it really, really tough. Well, lucky for everybody, uh, there are YouTube channels like your average consumer that will tell the people about the specs and about the numbers so that they understand them, but also talk about the actual experience of the thing and if it's any good and uh, if the average consumer should want it. Where can, where can people find you if they want to go looking for you? YouTube. I, I mean, actually anywhere. You can find me on all social media. Just type in your average consumer and I'll pop up. All right, man. Well, appreciate you coming on the podcast and I'll be waiting for your uh, Pixel 5 review. Sounds good, man. Can't wait to see yours too. Thanks so much, General Aura, for coming on the show. Like you said, you can find him on YouTube. He's at Your Average Consumer. That is U-R-A-V-G Consumer. Next week, we have a new guest. I'm very excited to say we're going to have Marquez Brownlee. You know him as MKBHD, so tune in for that. Gene therapy is really transformational. Today, CRISPR for breakfast, brought to you by Novartis. This is not the future anymore. This is the present. A global healthcare company that's reimagining medicine. Just the tip of the iceberg. CRISPR, it does sound a lot like a breakfast cereal, but what is it really? Think about it as a pair of programmable molecular scissors that can cut anywhere we target. Susan Stevenson heads up the Cell and Gene Therapy Initiative at the Novartis Institutes for Biomedical Research. So how did CRISPR get in your breakfast? When CRISPR was observed by researchers in the early 2000s, it was heralded as a miracle cure for yogurt. That's right. Yogurt is basically made from bacteria, which can get viruses just like you and I can. (laughs) Food scientists discovered this strange repetitive DNA sequence in the genome of certain strains of bacteria that are used in dairy production. Turns out it was actually an immune system enabling the bacteria to fight off viruses by cutting their DNA into bits. So the researchers turned CRISPR into a technology using it to vaccinate yogurt and cheese cultures against infection. One giant step for the dairy industry. Not too earth-shattering for anyone else. Until scientists outside of the dairy world started asking... Apart from cutting the DNA of viruses, can this also do something else? Dominic Hefner is the Director of Genomic Science at Novartis Institutes for Biomedical Research... Scientists are now using CRISPR on human cells in labs around the world. In the hands of the scientists, we use parts of the CRISPR machinery to cut DNA in desired places to alter the genetic code of cells. Hupfner's team is using CRISPR to study the roots of the disease. Other groups are designing CRISPR-based technologies to treat disease. Currently, the most promising applications are so-called monogenetic diseases, so diseases which are really caused by one error in the genome. In other words, CRISPR is ideal for treating diseases caused by a mutation in a single gene. Diseases like Huntington's disease, Parkinson's disease, muscular dystrophies, beta-thalassemias, inherited retinopathies, and there's many others. CRISPR, it turns out, may enable researchers to carefully snip DNA and fix broken cells at the genetic level. Susan Stevenson and her colleagues at Novartis are developing a CRISPR-based therapy for sickle cell disease. That's a genetic condition that affects the shape and function of the body's red blood cells, leading to pain crises and significantly reducing life expectancy. The Food and Drug Administration has approved plans for a clinical trial of the experimental therapy. 
we take the patient's own cells, we deliver the components of the CRISPR system into the stem cells, and then we reinfuse those gene-modified stem cells back into the patient. The idea is that the repaired cells will then flourish and fill the patient's bloodstream with healthy blood cells. Unlike traditional medicines, this treatment targets the root cause of the disease at the molecular level. CRISPR is just one of the technologies that's powering cell and gene therapy, an exciting new approach to treating disease. These treatments are designed to be given just once. So one-time therapies can result in a potentially lifelong cure with just a single treatment. For the first time, scientists really have a tool in their hands that allows them to dream and think of potentially being able to really correct the underlying cause of disease. So despite its humble origins in your breakfast bowl, this revolutionary technology has huge potential. And for Dominic Hepner, CRISPR is more than just another tool in the geneticist's toolbox. It represents a huge leap forward in shared scientific knowledge. The story of CRISPR actually shows how siloed thinking hampers scientific progress. I mean, key breakthrough often happens when experts of different fields combine know-how. And only when gifted bacteriologists and mammalian cell biologists started to work side by side, the true potential of this discovery was realized. For more information on how Novartis is reimagining medicine, go to novartis.com slash cell and gene. 